You should have already did that because it's up there. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, <clears throat> I'm going to start out. I'm going to read those ten verses. Uh, now it came to pass, verse 1, in the thirteenth year, in the fourth month, on the fifth day of the month, as I was among the captives by the river Chabar, that the heavens were opened and I saw visions of God. Amen. Everybody say visions of God. Very, very important because this is what Ezekiel was seeing. He was seeing God. Okay? On the fifth day of the month, which was in the fifth year of King Jehoshaphat's captivity, the word of the Lord came expressly to Ezekiel the priest, the son of Buzzai. Close. Buzz. In the land of the Chaldeans by the river Chabar, and the hand of the Lord was upon him there. That would be a good experience, the hand of the Lord to be upon you. Then I looked, and behold, a whirlwind was coming out of the north, a great cloud with raging fire engulfing itself, and brightness was all around it, and radiating out of its mist like the color of amber out of the mist of the fire. Also from it came the likeness of four living creatures. And this was their appearance. They had the likeness of a man. Each one had four faces. Each one had four wings. That's some weird stuff in the Bible, aren't they? How would you like to have four faces, four wings? Their legs were straight. So here these guys were walking around. Think about this stuff. I mean, you know, the Bible really has kind of sort of got some strange stuff in it. Their legs were straight and the soles of their feet were like the soles of calves' feet. How would you like to have feet that look like calves' feet? (laughs) Come on, y'all. Think about this. This is something this guy was seeing. (laughs) Something that had four faces had feet that looked like a cow's feet. Isn't that crazy? It's crazy. They sparkle like the color of burnished bronze. And you got these bronze feet. Remember the little baby shoes that people bronze? That's where they got it from. (laughs) Where else did they get that idea from? The hands of the man were under the hands of a man were under their wings on the four sides. Each had four faces and wings. Their wings touched one another. The creature did not turn when they went, but each one went straight forward. As for the likeness of their faces, each one had the face of a man. Each had and each of the four had the face of a lion on the right side, and each of the four had the face of an ox on the left side, and each of the four had the face of an eagle. So there are the four faces of the Lord. Okay, a man, an ox, a lion, and an eagle. The four faces of the Lord. And what we have is four Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. One Gospel, four different accounts. They're all the same story, just four different accounts given. And these four Gospels relate back to these four faces. Y'all with me? See, the Gospels are meant to convey to us who Christ is, His personality, what He's like. And that's what those four faces are all about. Really to communicate to the people of God what Jesus, who Jesus is and what Jesus is like. Amen? So these symbols or these faces are used to communicate the distinction of each. Okay? There's a distinctiveness in each one of those. An ox has a certain distinction. A lion has a distinction, a man has a distinction, and an eagle has a distinction. So the first face that I'm going to show you this morning is the face of Matthew, that's found in Matthew, and that's the face of a lion. That's what Matthew's gospel communicates to us is the lion heart of Christ. Choice, you know, a lion is the king of the beast, right? 
That's, that's what they are. And that's what Matthew tries to com- communicate. He tries to communicate in his gospel the lordship, the kingship of Christ. If you look at Matthew 1.1, it starts out, The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David. Who was David? It's a king, right? The son of Abraham. Who was, who was Abraham? He was the father of faith. So Matthew, right from the start, points us back to who Christ was from a kingly, authoritative-type position. Everybody with me? Uh, Matthew chapter 2 tells the story of the wise men who came to worship who? The king of the Jews. You see what he's doing? He's trying to, you know, trying to get us to understand. The word kingdom appears 50 times in the book of Matthew. 50 times that word kingdom. And the, the phrase the kingdom of heaven appears 32 times in Matthew and does not appear anywhere else in the New Testament. You got that? does not appear anywhere else in your testament. In other words, Matthew was trying to say, Christ is king. Christ is the line. He's the line of the tribe of Judah. That's, that's really what is the whole thing, what he was trying to communicate. Now, the face of Mark. Mark tries to communicate a whole other aspect of who Christ is. You see, no one gospel could really communicate it, who, who the Lord is. Mark portrays Christ as a servant. That's, that's really his whole, his whole thing. Mark 10, 44. And whoever of you desires to be first shall be... Slave of all. That was Mark's whole whole aspect. Mark's gospel has the least amount of Jesus' teachings and sayings recorded. Mark emphasizes what Jesus did. He emphasizes the power of Christ, his miracles, his mighty works. Like an ox. An ox don't have anything to say. Ox works, he does. Y'all with me? All right, let's go on and move to the face of Luke. Now the face of Luke is a man. He portrays he portrays Christ as a man. First two chapters of Luke deal with what? The Christmas story, right? Christ being born in a manger. You know, God being born in a manger as a little baby. Goes all about, you know, all through Christ's early, early years. The genealogy in Luke 3 is different from Matthew's in that it points Jesus back to who? Not back to David, not back to Abraham, but back to who? Adam. Who's Adam? Adam's man. You know, he's the, he's the origin of the flesh. And that's where, what, what Luke is trying to communicate is the human side of Jesus Christ, both God and man fully. And Luke wanted us to see that part. And if you go through all the book of Luke, if you go approach it from that perspective, you will see that's really the heart of the book of Luke, is to show the, the manhood of Christ. And this, this is wonderful information. You know, if nothing else, just when you're reading the Scripture, when you sit down to read the book of John, you know that John is trying to communicate the eagle face of Christ. Now, the eagle... Okay, is the is the God side of Christ, and it, and what he tries to do is communicate more who Christ is than what he did. That's the whole focus of the Gospel of John. You notice the difference. Uh, for instance, John six thirty five says, and Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. So it's not about teaching; it's about who he is. So so what we have is we have these four aspects, these four faces of Christ. Four different personalities that God has, that God has put in the Scripture and the four Gospels to communicate to the people of God so we can get to know Jesus on a little bit different level. Amen? And, and, and really and truly, if you think about the nature of these four, four beasts, they are, they are sort of opposites, right? A man is completely different from an eagle. An ox is completely different from a lion. 
You see what I'm saying? Yet they're all part, the same person has all those different things, and they, they really do reveal a different aspect of who Christ is about His personality. And together they give us a fuller picture of the personality and nature of Jesus Christ when we can see them together. In other words, Jesus is just not this prophetic guy. He's just not that. Jesus was a man. Jesus wasn't just, a, just God. He was a man also. Jesus was a servant. He wasn't just a king. And that's what the desire of the, of, the, of the Gospels are, is to communicate those things to us and really let us get to know Him and get to know what He's like. John 4 is probably, the, to me, the, the, the one example in the Bible, and there's many examples, but my little small mind, I can think I could see all four of those aspects operate. And John 4, as, as many of you know, is the story of the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman. Jesus shows up at the well, what? Wore out, it says, tired from His journey. That's the man, Jesus, tired. The man, the human side of Jesus. He was thirsty and tired. A few minutes later in a conversation with the woman, what does this man do? This man starts telling this woman about her life, telling her information that, that nobody knew. If, you know, the only way he could have known that was either be God or knew that woman all her life, telling her about her husband, telling her about the guy she's living with now. There's the ego of God rising up. They continue on in their conversation. She starts talking about giving her, her, you know, spitting out her religion to Jesus. And who rises up? But the king, the lion, rises up and says, "This is what real worship is." You know, the authority of God begins to be expressed. And then, you know, the disciples had gone into town to feed or to get some supper. They come back and was offering the, the burgers to Jesus, and Jesus said, "My food is to do the will of God." and finish what He's called me to do on this earth. In other words, that was the oxen of Jesus being expressed. So you see, we can, ne- you know, Jesus, you know, expresses those different personalities, you know, and in different situations, whatever is needed at that time, that personality trait in Christ will be expressed, whatever He needs to express. Are you all with me? So that was sort of the, uh, the, the last message, sort of the short version of it. See, I can... Give you that. Y'all should have said, why did it take you 40 minutes to say that last time? <laughs> but this is what we've got to ask now. How, this is what I want. This is the second part of the message. This is the, the rest of it. How do we practically apply this to our lives? In other words, I like the concept of getting to know Jesus better. Okay? I like that concept. I like that thought. But I want to know also is how, okay, Lord, that's great. That's cool. You have a face of an eagle. You have a face of a lion. That's, those are your different personalities. But how, might, you know, how does this apply to Byron Wicker tomorrow morning, tomorrow afternoon, in these different situations? That's what I want to know, Lord. Well, let's, let's, you don't have to turn to Ecclesiastes 3.1, but this is what Ecclesiastes 3.1 says. Everything has its time. To everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. A time, a season. I believe this. I believe there are spiritual seasons in our lives. This is important. There are spiritual seasons in our life that are similar to the four natural seasons. Winter, spring, summer, and fall. And I believe we have those. And I believe those four faces of Christ represent the four seasons in the natural. Okay? Are you all with me? Well, you know, this is what I'm talking to you about. As the four natural seasons serve a purpose on the earth, you know, there's a purpose for winter. There's a purpose for something. It does something to the environment. I don't really know what all it does, but it does something. 
You know, leaves fall in the fall. That's what happens. You know, new stuff buds in the spring. These spiritual, these spiritual seasons serve a purpose in our lives as Christians. You got that? They serve a purpose just like they do in the earth. In other words, you as a Christian, you're going to experience a winter in your life. You as a Christian, you're going to experience a spring in your life, a summer in your life, and a fall in your life. And these do, I believe, are equal to the four faces of Christ. Spiritual seasons. I think this is really important. God is teaching us what it is for Christ to, to live His life in and through us. If you've been in this church in the past year, you should know this is the most important thing. If, if you don't, you might messed up or you messed up. But God is trying to teach us that He has asked us to live an impossible life that no man can live. The only person who has ever lived the life that God has asked us to, do, to live is Jesus Christ Himself. And we have approached the Scripture from a perspective. The church teaches the Scripture from a perspective of what we must do and does not teach us how we must do what God requires us to do. And we have been indoctrinated that, and it's all twisted up. And what I feel like God wants to do for us is unravel that lie. And that's what it is. It is a lie from hell. It is a lie to keep us beat down and bummed out and sorry Christians. That was what I was before God really began to reveal to me what the life of Christ really means. That God has meant to live His life in this body and express it. And if I'm going to live the Christian life according to what the Scripture teaches, there's only one way. is That is for me to surrender to God and trust Him that He'll live it through me. And when I do that, there's where joy is. There's where success is. Amen? And that's what God is trying to teach us. And I'm trying to learn it. Here's what spiritual seasons do for you. They point you to what God is trying to do in your life at that particular time. In other words, if God is saying, it's wintertime, Dean, and you're saying, no, Lord, it's springtime. No, Dean, it's, it's wintertime, pal. It's going to get cold. It's going to get dark and overcast. You understand what I'm saying to you? What we need to do is learn how to cooperate with this life, this God in us. And when He says, no, I want to be a man in you. I want to express man, what the man side of God was in you. And you're trying to express the God side. It's not going to work. You see what I'm saying? It really will help you, I believe. It's, you know, 2 Timothy 4.2. Thank you, Fred Morgan, for giving me this scripture. I was going through this thing, and now what is, a, what is this, Lord? Be, be ready or be instant in season and out of season. God, that's how God wants us to live our life. No matter what season we're in, being ready or being instant is allowing God to live and express through us. Amen? Are you with me? The question we had to ask, is it the ox or is it the man? Maybe it's the eagle at that moment, or maybe it's the lion at that moment. Y'all with me? That's what we've got to find out. What does God want to be? Does He want to roar like a lion through me? Or does He want me washing somebody's feet? And allowing Him to do that. This is practical. All right, spiritual seasons. All right, this is important. Although natural seasons parallel spiritual seasons, there are some differences. Okay, you can't... This is not 100% equal. All right, here's one of the differences. Spiritual seasons may not necessarily follow the same sequence... As natural seasons. 
In other words, this is what I've seen. I have seen many people get saved, and it was an immediate springtime in their life. And they go through the springtime. We always call it the honeymoon. And then guess what happened? We, it didn't go to summer. It went to winter. Everything fell apart. How many Christians do you know have backslidden? Because everything went from blooms to, to doom. Bloom to doom. So it, it does, God has control of these things. He doesn't set it up like He did on earth. He says, I'm just going to release it. It's going to happen over and over. No, He says, no, I know what's best for this person. And if I say, oh, well, they're in spring, but you know what? I think they need a little winter now. I'm going to give them a little winter. He, has a, he, he does that. That's, that's the way he operates. And, and, you know, every person is a little bit different. Uh, this is cool. This happens in the natural. Spiritual seasons do overlap like in the natural seasons. In other words, how many times on the first day of, of winter, okay, you think it's still fall? Or it could feel like summer. You can have spring-like days in the winter. In other words, this is not some set, oh, I'm in a winter season and it's always going to be bad each and every day. That is, it doesn't work like that in the natural even. Are you with me? So God can do different things, but there are, you know, overall, like, you know, you can sort of feel, if you get up early enough in the morning or you out in the evening, you can sort of feel a little bit of autumn weather. If you're paying attention, you can feel this. there's something in the air. You know, the season is changing. And that's the way it is spiritually. It, it's not here yet, but there, it's starting to come. A month from now, it'll be a whole lot more on top of us. Are you all with me? Okay. The winter season. Now, what I want to do now is go through these seasons and talk to you just a little bit about the season, each season. All right, the winter season. In the winter season, of course, he reveals himself as the Son of Man. This is Jesus the man trying to live and express himself through you. This is a good scripture for you, Hebrews 5.8. Though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he what? Suffered. Everybody say suffered. In other words, this is what marks the winter season in your life, suffering. Isn't that so, so much fun and so glorious? Don't you just love suffering seasons? During the winter season, you get to know the human side of Christ. As a man, Jesus really suffered on this earth, didn't he? Jesus suffered while he was on this earth, big time. Jesus suffered all the things that we suffer. Everything that we've suffered collectively in this room, Jesus suffered them. All the disappointment, all the disillusionment, all the failure, all the things that didn't work out, the people who let him down, the rejection, all those things and more because we ain't hung being bleeding and all that stuff. But he suffered those things. This winter season, that is not this thing. That is Rachel's phone. This season is marked by a low period in your life, a time of suffering, waiting, trials, failure, rejection, tears, and pruning. That's the description of the winter time spiritually. That's what's going to be happening in your life. Therefore, when you're in that time, don't try to act like you're not. And don't try for it to be something else. Sounds like a grand season, doesn't it? Life feels overcast, cold, and gloomy, just like it does in the winter time. Now, they can be some sunny days, but they, it can be sort of bad. In fact, I've read this statistic recently, and Christina was confirming it to me. I was reading it, and she, then a few minutes later I was talking to her about it. Is over where she's at in China, in the winter, the sun doesn't shine, but what, once a month or something like that? And she found herself depressed, wanting to withdraw, not wanting to go out and interact because of lack of sunshine. And, and that happens to a lot of people in the winter. So she bought her a lamp that fakes the sun... So she wouldn't be withdrawn. 
so she could do what God called her to do over there. Are you with me? Spiritual things do not seem very real and alive to you during your winter season. Anybody been there? Like, duh, yeah, right. Let's read the Bible. You know, you read the Bible and it's just as dead. Oh, you know, you know, church is going awful. You know, during the winter season, you're going to be tempted to give up. That's what's going to happen in your life. You're going to be, I just want to give up. Well, I just want to quit. Why am I a Christian? Let's just be saved. You know, I'm just going to be a jerk. I want, you, you want to, people find fault a lot when they're in this season. With other people, there's this pointing of the finger. You're looking at everything from a negative perspective. There's resentment that rises up in your heart. You suffer with resentment. And you resent people who are blessed. You tend to start criticizing them. Because they're real blessed. They're over there in the springtime and you're miserable. And you don't understand why is God being mean to me and being good to them and they don't deserve it. Because you know you're a better Christian than they are. Right? This is what happens. I mean, has anybody experienced this besides me? I have been down this road a few times. You know what the best way to do is when you do that stuff to say, Lord, I wish, Lord, I'm just jealous. That's what I am. I'm jealous. Forgive me. Sin and compromise seem more inviting to you. A lot easier to compromise. Sin's lurking at the door. It's knocking on the door. It's easy to give in to it because you feel so dead spiritually. A lot of people make bad choices and decisions during their winter time. But thank God, there's a springtime. Amen? In the spring season, God is revealing Himself as the Son of God, Jesus the Eagle. Now, that's what we want. I would rather have the eagle part of Jesus than the man side any day. Forget the man side, Lord. Let's just stick. Let's, let's major on the eagle. Eagles fly up in the height. Song of Solomon. This is a famous verse. Everybody knows it. But let me read it to you. Song of Solomon 2, 10 through 14. My beloved spoke... And said to me, Rise up, my love, my fair one, and come away, for lo, the winter is past. The rain is over and gone. The flowers appear on the earth. The time of singing has come. This describes what spring is like. It's a time of rejoicing and singing. And the voice of the turtle dove is heard in the land. Intimacy with Christ. That's what it's all about. It's, you know, it's a wonderful time. You get to know Christ God's side during this time. You get to know the, the eagle that's from heaven. Everything comes alive to you. It's a time of visitation spiritually. Anybody had that? Where God just suddenly shows up for no reason. You're doing the same thing you've always done. You're sitting down trying to struggle through reading the Bible. Then you hear God talking to you. God's presence comes in a room. You come to church. You stand up. You're going to sing the same old song. But all of a sudden, God comes on you. It's all different. It's wonderful. The person beside you can be miserable. But you're having a, you're having a personal revival at that time. God moving in your life. And you look around and you see the mad, sad faces around you and you want to slap them. <laughs> like, because this is so good. I wish you could have just feel what I feel. You're in a springtime. You're having a springtime experience. They're in the winter, possibly. It's marked by revelation. A sense of expectations in your life. There's spiritual hunger in your life. There's insight. There's growth. God's showing you stuff in the Bible you've never seen before. Has anybody ever had that? those experiences. It's a wonderful time. It's a wonderful time. Worship, Bible study, prayer, always. Why ain't they coming to the prayer meeting? Because you know. <laughs> you're just there and there's a fire in you. It's not something you're doing. 
it's that man, it's that ego inside of you expressing himself. You just cooperate with him and enjoy it. Please enjoy it. You will learn to enjoy it if you hit a few winners. Because those days get precious to you. You know? You are stirred spiritually, yet spring, listen to this, spring has its dangers. Spring has its dangers. You can get derailed spiritually in spring. It's easy to become presumptuous with God. In other words, everything's flowing with you. You think everything you think is God. You know, you think every thought you get, God got a word, you know. That's presumption because God's blessing you so much. You have to be real careful what you say and you don't say. Pride is also lurking at the door. It really is. Like, what's wrong with them? Yeah, that's an attitude we get. What's wrong with them? I don't know why they're not worshiping. I don't know what is wrong with these people. Isn't that a lot of the preaching that we've done? What's wrong with y'all? That's wrong preaching. I'm telling you it is. There's nothing wrong with them. You know, and if there is something wrong, we'll let God sort that out. That's not our job. We don't know what God's doing in people's hearts. Let's don't be idiots and judge by the outward. We've done that stuff so long, it's ridiculous. We tend to criticize others who are not so blessed. Those are dangers of the spring season. You hear what I'm saying to you? And those things will derail you because God doesn't like criticism. You know, He doesn't like pride. All right, and then the summer season. Are you all with me? Summer season. It's a good season. In the summer season, He reveals Himself as the King, Jesus the Lion. Suddenly the roar gets in you, okay? Matthew 24, 32. This is sort of an odd scripture, but I'm going to explain it to you in a minute. Now learn this parable from the fig tree. When its branches have already become tender and put forth leaves, you know summer is near. All right, tenderness and leaves. Those are key, key words in that, that verse. Um, as I said, during the summer, God reveals himself as the fearless, all-powerful, conquering king. Now this is, this is cool. It's a fruitful, fruitful time in your life. It's not just a time of revelation. It's a time of, of fruit bearing. It's a time when leaves sprout. It's a time when things begin to happen for you. Things that you've cultivated, things that you've desired in your life, suddenly there begins to be some fruit from all these years of cultivating the things that God has placed in your heart. That's the wonderful thing about summer. It's marked by boldness, confidence, faith, authority, and power. That's what you're going to have. Suddenly, you're going to have authority. You're going to have power to speak or do whatever God's called you to do. Suddenly things that used to not work for you all of a sudden start working. See, there's many of pe- preachers that have tried their best to preach. Nobody wanted to hear a thing they had to say, but then suddenly one day something happened. People started listening to them. And, and, and one of the reasons was is they came into their summer season of life where God was revealing Himself as the King. And people listen when God speaks to somebody. You're empowered to rule and reign with Christ. That's what's happening. And you can see it in people. You can see when God's doing it. You can tell it. You can tell the difference when God's being the lion in you versus being the man. Hey, it's a lot more fun, especially when you're trying to do ministry when he's being a lion and when you're doing, a, doing the man thing. I'm telling you this. Are you all with me? It's time to do the exploits of the kingdom. It's time... For the visions, it's time for the things that's been in your heart. Maybe that you tried and failed at. Maybe things quit working or whatever. But now, in this summer season, it's time for action in your life. It's time to do what God's called you to do. 
and it'll be productive and it'll be fruitful in your life where it wasn't productive and was not fruitful in other seasons. Are you all with me? Again, it's a time when you will see the fruit of cultivating your God-given calling and purpose. Some people, years, get that in your mind, years of cultivation, and suddenly you see fruit. Sometimes it's years. Summer also has its dangers, though. Overconfidence, again, because you got the lion roaring in, you could get overconfidence and step outside into the flesh. Pride, wrong priorities. Here's a wrong priority. God is using you. Suddenly your ministry is blooming and blossoming. Things are taking, taking off in your life, and you ignore, you know, your family. You put all this emphasis on this, and you're ignoring the people that are most important to you that God's going to hold you accountable for. Being overdriven. I was talking to a pastor this week. He's a great guy. And his confession was, I am never happy. I am never satisfied. No matter what I do, it's not enough. Every, you know, victory is like short-lived for me, and then I mess up again the next day. Why? You're in overdrive, man. You're not thankful for what God's doing. Therefore, you're losing it. And you're pushing all the time and going, trying to go harder than what God's called you to go. It can, it can take you out. It'll burn you out. Another one is, is using people to accomplish your goals. You can use people actually. Oh, this is the Lord. I know God's called me to do this. You've got God's hand on it, God's blessing on it, but you are using them wrongly. It happens all the time in the church, people being used wrongly. These are dangers of the summer that we have to be careful for. Y'all, are y'all with me? All right, the fall season. Not, not fall like fall in. The fall season, ooh, this is a favorite season. I like summer better than fall spiritually, although naturally I like fall better than summer because it's not as hot. In the fall season, he reveals himself as a faithful servant, Jesus the ox. Mark 10, 44, I read that earlier. And whoever you desire to be first shall be what? Slave to all. It's what God's doing in your life during the fall. It's, it's all about serving. It's all about being a slave. Ox, listen to this. Oxen are animals which serve day in and day out without a complaint. Isn't that right? They're not all complaining about, you know something, if I... Going to track around and do this. I deserve so and so. I deserve more feed at night. They don't do that. They just do what they're told to do. And that's what one of the things that God will bring us all into a place where we're we're serving like that. Now, um, submission, sacrifice, and faithful service is what God is doing in your life. Submission. Everybody say submission. submission. 